Good morning, Grace Community Church. It's really good to be with you again. For those of you who don't know uh, me, uh, my wife, Lizzie, and I, my name is Paul. Uh, my wife and I, we were members of this church for several years, and we moved overseas eight months ago to plant a church in my home country of Moldova. So we're back in town for just a few days, and we're happy to be opening the Word of God with you today. We'll be in Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. If you see someone next to you who does not have a copy of God's Word, will you please help them get one and follow along with us? Matthew 13, verses 1 through 23. Matthew 13. Before we read the text, let's ask for God's blessing upon his word. Our Father in heaven, this is your word, which you have given to your church. And we are in great need of your help, that by your Holy Spirit you would make us doers of your word and not hearers only. We ask God for your help. We ask that we would not just hear words on a page, but that we would hear the voice of our shepherd, the voice of Christ speaking to us. Help us to read, mark, learn, inwardly digest this word, that we would hold fast to the hope of eternal life. And we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Matthew 13, beginning with verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, 
and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. Understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. And we thank God for his holy word. Someone wise said that there are two things happening in this text. On the one hand, we see a description of what happens when the word of God is sown. When you preach the word, what happens in people's hearts? This is the descriptive part of the parable. It tells us what happens in other people's hearts. But there's also a command here. There's an exhortation. And the exhortation based on this parable is for us to watch over our hearts, to keep watch over our hearts so that they would be good soil and would bring good fruit. If you look at the parallel text in Luke chapter 8, after Jesus shares the same parable, he says, take care then how you hear. So we find not just a description here of what happens in people's hearts, but we find a command to take care how we hear to keep watch over our heart so that we may receive the word and it might bear fruit. And we'll look at this parable today in three simple points. We'll look at the sower, the seed, and the soil. See, I didn't even have to work hard on alliteration. It just goes in English. It doesn't in Romanian. But it's the sower, the seed, and the soil. So first, let's, let's look at the sower. Who is the sower in this parable? So if you look at verse 3, Jesus says, A sower went out to sow. Who is the sower? And we see a great example of who the sower is, even in this text. Who is the one telling this parable? It's Jesus. It's the Lord Jesus. So the sower is God in the person of Christ. The Lord Jesus is the one who sows the seed. He is the teacher whom people are gathering to hear here. And really, any time the word is preached, Jesus Christ is the sower. We see this again in the middle section. If you look down at verse 15, when he talks about the people rejecting the word, whom are they really rejecting? He says, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. When they reject the word, they are rejecting God. 
God is the sower. And in order for the word to bring fruit in your life, just like we prayed before we read the text, in order for the word to bring fruit, you need to have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to have an encounter with the Lord Jesus, the living, the risen, exalted King. You need to meet him in order for the word to bring fruit in your life. As Christians, we can, we can have many discussions and conversations about the Bible. We can sit together and try to correct each other's errors. We can have many theological debates. But there's one thing that needs to happen above all, and that is meeting the living, risen Christ. Unless you meet Christ, the, world, the word will not bring fruit in your life. For anything truly meaningful and lasting to happen, for the lasting fruit that Jesus talks about here to come, you need to meet with Christ. You can think about all the things that people do to bring change into their life. How much money they're willing to spend, how many diets they're willing to start, how many books they're willing to read, how much advice they're willing to hear and try, move homes, move schools, change friends, and yet none of it brings the lasting change, the freedom from sin and misery that Christ brings. The Lord Jesus is the sower. Just like the people of Israel here, uh, we often want change under our own control. We want to be lords of our own life. You see how, they say, how in the judgment that Isaiah prophesies, they, their heart has grown dull, and with their ears they refuse to hear God. But he's the sower. He's the one to whom you need to come. When we refuse to come to Christ, we refuse to come to the only one who can bring meaningful, lasting change, meaningful, lasting freedom from sin, the only one who can give us new life. Jesus Christ, the only Savior, our Redeemer, he is the sower of the seed. He's the sower of the seed, and you must have an encounter with him. You must have an encounter with him. So Jesus is the sower here in this parable. But like we said, every time the word is preached, he's still the sower. And of course, in a smaller sense, every Christian sharing the word is also a sower. This is our privilege, right, as disciples of Christ, to be part of Christ's work in the world. But this should greatly encourage us when we look at the way Jesus talks here because he is the one who's actually doing the work. It's his work, not ours. We're doing the same things he did and it's ultimately his work. It is very, it is astonishing when you look in the gospels when Jesus goes out to preach, he says, for this reason I was sent. And he goes to synagogues and preaches. The man who could heal whole regions, cities and villages, just eradicate sickness, he thought it his priority to preach the word. The man who could call down armies of heaven into battle, he thought it his priority to preach the word, to devote himself to this task of preaching. It is a great work and we get to take part of his work, whether we're preaching on Sunday morning or we're sharing the word in our life. 
This should encourage us. It is his work. When the word is spreading in the church, like you see in Acts, and the word of God increased, that's the work of the living, risen, exalted Christ. So as long as we present the word lovingly and faithfully, the rest is up to him. This should greatly encourage us when we see a negative response, a rejection. Whom are they really rejecting? Like Jesus says, they're not rejecting you, they are rejecting me. It is between the hearers and Christ. That's the ultimate interaction. That's the ultimate conversation that happens. The interaction is between hearers and God. The Lord Jesus is the sower of the seed. One unusual aspect of this parable you'll find in verse 18. It's one of the few parables that Jesus gives us, gives us a title for. He says, this is the parable of the sower. If we were to give this parable a name, we might have called it the parable of belief and unbelief or the parable of the four soils. But Jesus, by giving us this title, he tells us who the most important character in this story is. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the main character of this parable, and he is the sower. And this has many implications for our life. If the Lord Jesus is the sower, if he is the one who sows the seed, whenever we hear the word, even when he uses means like weak Christians, that must make a difference in the way we read and hear the word of God. We're hearing it from him. We're hearing it from the sower of the seed. Whenever we are dealing with the word of God, we're not just dealing with a book. We're not just dealing with a weak human. We are dealing with the Lord Jesus. He is personally involved. He's always personally involved when we are dealing with the word of God. We cannot deal with the word of God the way we do with some lab experiment, you know, where you put a coat on so that it doesn't get on you, it doesn't impact you, so you can put, take the coat off and go home and it doesn't change your life at all. That's not how we're dealing with the word of God. Someone wise said that whenever we search the word, it is really the word that is searching us. The Lord Jesus is always personally involved when we are dealing with the word of God. This is what we seek in our churches, isn't it? We want Jesus' presence, we want his power, we want his authority, we want the sower to, see, to sow the word in our midst. We don't just want Bible knowledge in our minds, we don't just want the right Sunday school and theological answers memorized, we want an encounter with the risen living Christ. We want an encounter with the sower of the seed. We want to receive the word from him. We want to receive the word from him. This has an important implication for what we're doing today. Every time we gather for Christian worship, we're not just coming together to share some ideas. We gather to meet and hear from Christ. I think it was Martin Luther who said, when you hear a preacher, the mouth is that of a man, but the voice is from heaven because it is Christ speaking to his church. Pastors and preachers may err, but as long as the message is from the word, it is from our king, it is from Jesus Christ, the sower of the seed. 
This is the promise of Jesus Christ whenever we open his word that he's present. He promised his personal presence whenever we open the word. He especially promised it when it is preached in Christian worship. So Jesus is the sower. Isn't it encouraging to know that we are receiving the word from him and when we share the word, he goes before us. Jesus Christ is the sower of the seed. One other thing I want you to notice about the sower. Let's look at where he sows the seed. Where does he sow the seed? So you see in verse 4, as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. Then again in verse 5, some seeds fell on rocky ground. Then again in verse 7, some seeds fell among thorns. And again in verse 8, some seeds, other seeds fell on good soil. So where does the sower go out to sow? If it were up to us, we would probably try to save up the seed, right? Don't waste the seed on bad ground. But that's not what we see the sower doing here. Where does he sow the seed? Some good ground, some bad ground? Where does he sow the seed? He sows it everywhere. He sows the seed everywhere. He doesn't try to save on the seed, doesn't try to save the seed just for the best parts. He casts the seed freely. He casts the seed freely. This is a picture of the generous grace of God to sinners who offers the gospel to all. For every wretched sinner, there is a general open invitation to come. Like the hymn says, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. He sows the seed freely everywhere. Christ offers the gospel freely to all. And for every sinner hearing the word, if you would only turn from your sins and put your trust in this Christ who came to die and be raised to be our Savior and our Redeemer, come to him, he says. None who come to him, he will turn away. There's a sufficient sacrifice, a sufficient salvation in him for all who call upon his name. It is a free, a generous, an open invitation to come. Come to me, he says. Why would you refuse? Why would you refuse? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Jesus is the sower of the seed. Later in this text, in verse 19, we find another character. So it's not just the sower and the people hearing the word, but there's also a third part here. We learn in verse 19 that there's an evil one who comes and snatches it away. And that tells you that there's no neutrality when you hear the word. When Christ Jesus sows his word into your life, you either receive it or you end up in the land, in the kingdom of darkness. You stay there. There's no neutral ground when it comes to Jesus Christ. There is no neutral response you can have to the word of God. You either receive it and you come under the lordship of Christ or you reject it and you're under the kingdom of the evil one. Christ is the sower of the seed, but there's an evil one who comes and snatches it away. And one last thing I want you to notice about the sower in this text. We learn in the middle part, 
as you can see, Jesus says the parable, then he has a little paragraph about the purpose of parables, and then with verse 18, he goes back to explaining the parable. So in that middle part, we learn that Jesus is not only the sower of the seed, but he's also the judge of those who hear the word. You have this here, the story of Israel, how they rejected the sower of the seed, and God judged them for it. Christ Jesus is a judge. It's a lesson for us. Again, take care how you hear. Watch over your heart. Verse 15 says that they might turn and I would heal them. That's what, what we want to happen in every, everyone who's here, in everyone to, with whom we share the word. We want this repentance to happen. Today, while you hear his word, do not harden your hearts. One day it might be too late. Receive the word from the sower of the seed. Receive the word from Christ. Christ Jesus is the sower of the seed. That's encouraging for us. It's also a warning for us. It teaches us to watch over our hearts and take care how we receive the word. We receive it from him. So that's the sower. The sower is the Lord Jesus Christ. We move on to the seed. What is this seed in this parable? It's pretty clear in verse 19. Jesus says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, the word of the kingdom, what is this seed? The seed is the word of God. And before we go further, I want us to stop and just consider how fitting this metaphor is for the word of God that Jesus calls it a seed. There's a difference in the way a tree grows and the way you build a wall, right? With a wall, you just bring one brick, bring a second brick. One brick doesn't grow into a building. You've got to bring more and more. One brick has no power to become a building. But it's different in nature, right? When you plant a seed, that seed has the power of new life within it. It needs good ground, of course. It needs the right condition. But it has the power of new life. It has the power of fruit within it. And that's the metaphor Christ uses for the word of God. The word has power within it. The seed is the word. And unless we bring the word, salvation cannot happen. Regeneration, the new birth, cannot happen. And this applies very clearly to our lives. If we want to grow in grace, if we want to know Christ better, not just intellectually, we need the Word. We need the Word. There are no shortcuts to being in the Word. It applies to those of us who are parents. Where do you put your trust for raising your children? It should be in the word. Just like you, you trust the word for your own salvation, for your own growth in grace, you should trust the word for your children's salvation, for your parenting. And in all the areas of our lives, we should trust the word. It is sufficient to bring us, to present us perfect and complete before God. The seed is the word. Among all the tools and philosophies that the world offers, only one is able to bring fruit. And that is the word of God. The seed is the word. 
The seed is the word, and this word must be present in our lives. You remember what Jesus said when he was tempted. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with being in the word? If someone were to take a look at your schedule, take a look at your priorities, where would they find the word of God? The seed is the word. By the way, this should encourage us and make us appreciate the unique mission of the church because this seed wasn't entrusted to governments and armies. This seed was not entrusted to nonprofits. It wasn't entrusted to parachurch organizations. It was entrusted to the church. The church has the unique mission of planting the seed under the authority of Christ. Only the church of Jesus Christ has been entrusted with this seed. Christ sows the seed and he does it through his church. I know that you are a church that loves the word of God. I've learned to love the word of God alongside you. And I want to encourage you to continue in that, to persevere in trusting the word of God to do God's work. It is amazing the last words that Paul says to the elders in Ephesus in Acts 20. He says, I entrust you to God and to his word. The seed is the word. So the sower is the Lord Jesus. The seed is the word. And then thirdly, we come to the soils. We've seen it's the same sower. It's the same seed. So why are the results so different? Why are the results so different? And the Lord Jesus tells us here, it's because the soils are different. We see the different soils in verses 4 through 8. And then again in the interpretation in verses 19 through 23, the soils are different. Why does some soil bring fruit and some doesn't? The soils are different. And of course, the soils here signify the state of our hearts when we hear the word. The soils signify the state of our hearts. This should again be a great encouragement to us as we share the gospel. This parable gives us an idea of what happens in the human heart, like we said. And so when people reject the word, whom are they really rejecting? They're rejecting God and they're just revealing what was already in their hearts. It is amazing. The Lord Jesus here says that you can be the perfect messenger with the perfect seed and still not get fruit. It's incredible. Jesus gives us this, this parable and tells us you can be a good messenger, a faithful messenger with the right seed and still not have fruit. It is possible. And the lesson here for us, of course, as the church is that faithfulness matters more than results. When it comes to our role, faithfulness matters more than results. There's only one seed and the sower, Jesus Christ, is faithful to sow it everywhere. And that's what we should do. We should be faithful in sowing the seed. Not moving away to other tools, but sowing the seed faithfully. And leave the results up to God. Remember, 
even with the Lord Jesus, did everyone believe when Jesus preached? You would think they would, right? A perfect messenger made no mistakes in preaching the word. And yet there's cities, entire cities and villages that reject him. Sometimes the response was still negative for Jesus. So we should not lose heart. We should not try to switch from the word to some other methods and gimmicks just because we don't see the fruit that we want to see. We should continue preaching the word, sowing the word, being in the word and under the word. Our purpose is to be faithful with what has been entrusted to us, the word of God. So we come to the soil, right? There's these four soils and they are different. So what are these four kinds of soils in this parable? Let's start with the first one in verse four. Jesus says, as the sower sowed, some seeds fell among the path and the birds came and devoured them. Seed that fell among the path and the birds came and devoured it. And then he explains the metaphor in verse 19. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown among, along the path. In this interpretation, Jesus says that this is a man who hears the word. They hear the word, but they do not understand it. And at first we would think, oh, they're just not intellectually capable of understanding it, but that's not quite what Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about intellectual ability, like they can't really grasp the facts that you're presenting to them. He's talking about spiritual understanding, about understanding your need for a savior, understanding how lost you are without God and how great your need is for Christ, for his sacrifice, for his redemption. It's understanding the urgency of turning to God. And Jesus says this first soil, this man hears the word but does not understand it. In other words, they miss it spiritually, right? They miss the point. And perhaps you know what that's like. You, you know how these conversations go. You talk to someone, someone about their standing before God. You talk about spiritual things, about how they will give an account to God of their life. You talk to them about the provision of salvation found in Jesus Christ. And they have absolutely no interest in it. You might as well be just reading the newspaper they have no interest in it. They do not understand why they should care. Perhaps that's you today here. And our prayer, if, you're, if that's you here today, our prayer is that by his Holy Spirit, God would open your eyes to see your need for Christ. Like we said earlier, he's calling you to come, to take shelter from the wrath of God. So see that fell along the path, and he does not understand it. And Jesus says in verse 19, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown. We see how clearly such soil is under the dominion of the evil one. 
Again, we are reminded there is no neutral ground. There's no neutral response. You either receive it or you reject it. And when you choose to reject the word, this is where you end up. And by the way, lest someone be here today and think, oh, I don't understand these spiritual things. They must not be for me. In his gospel, Matthew graciously includes an example right in this text of people who do not quite understand the word, don't quite understand what Jesus is talking about. What do the disciples do when they don't understand the parable? Where do they turn? Do they just walk away and say, it must not be for me, I don't quite get it? Look at verse 10. They come to Christ and they ask him. Again, a beautiful picture of the grace of God. If there's something you don't know, you don't quite understand, you have questions, come to Christ and ask them. If you're here today, you have spiritual questions, come to someone who knows the Bible and they'll help you. It's Christ answering your questions. The Lord Jesus is full of mercy. He receives those who inquire about salvation. He receives those who come and seek him sincerely. So come to him. So this is the seed that falls along the path. The birds come and devour it. The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in this heart. Then we come to the seed that fell on rocky ground in verse 5. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. And then the explanation in verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. First, notice the similarities. The second soil, the second hearer, hears the word and receives the word, don't they? For a while, maybe from a distance, maybe it looks as good as the good soil, maybe even better. It says it sprang up quickly, right? Immediately they sprang up. If you don't look too closely, if you don't dig deep, it looks just as good as the good soil, if not better. You almost can't tell the difference. That's what Jesus says. But what happens next? That's always the question, isn't it? What happens next? It's not where you were yesterday or 10 years ago when you made a profession of faith, but what happens next? If your life is a movie, we wanna see not a snapshot of your best moment, when you felt really emotionally close to God, we want to see the movie. We want to see how the story ends. That's the test of lasting fruit. To see whether fruit lasts, you have to see the whole story. And Jesus tells us what the full story is for, this, for these kinds of hearers. In verse 21, he has no root in himself. Even though he receives it with joy, so there's some kind of interest in spiritual things. There's some kind of inquiry, some kind of response, positive response even. But he has no root in himself and endures but for a while. 
And when tribulation and persecution arise, what happens? Immediately, he falls away. Immediately, he walks away. Just as quickly as he, gave, he, he sprung up, just as quickly, that's gone. Just as quickly. This is the diagnostic test, if you will, for lasting fruit. Are you ready to suffer for your faith? It says here, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. The heart that makes it through these tribulations is a heart that treasures God more than earthly material things, more than the pleasures of sin, more than escape from suffering. This, the heart that lasts in the kingdom is the heart that treasures the promises of God even when it takes suffering and trials to get through it. It's a great encouragement for us when we think about Christians praying around the world in suffering. Christians in Ukraine today, Christians in other difficult places, praying, yes, for the suffering to end, praying how long, O Lord, but most of all, praying to be faithful in the midst of it. That's what we should pursue, right? Pursue faithfulness in the midst of trials and suffering. This is what we should pray for. And so the encouragement for us is to keep watch over our hearts lest we be like these hearers who have no root in themselves. Some fruit that endures for a while, but when suffering hits, when it costs you to be a Christian, costs you financially, costs you friendship, costs you family relationships maybe, costs you your job, and even costs you your life. We want to be Christians who persevere. And so we want to keep watch over our hearts. Ask for God's mercy and grace because only his power can make us last through those kinds of sufferings. Ask the Lord to prepare us for that kind of loss. And on the other side that we would still say we have gained because we have Christ. That's the seed that fell on rocky ground. Here's the word, very quickly brings something very visible, but it just as quickly goes away. Just as quickly goes away. Thirdly, in verse 7, we see the seed that fell among thorns. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And then the interpretation in verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Jesus is teaching us here that the word of God, the word of God in our lives is always in competition with the cares of the world. And each one of us can decide, each one of us knows for ourselves what these, what is in competition with the word of God in your life. And Jesus is teaching us here that there's a chance that these deceitfulness the, the deceit of the world, the, the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of the world 
will choke the word, will crowd out your life. And so take care how you hear so that the word can bring fruit. Each one of us knows how easily the worries of our earthly life occupy our heart, occupy our minds, how easily material questions steal our attention from spiritual ones. And that's what happens with these hearers. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, they choke the word. So let us keep watch of our hearts. We want to be men and women in whose lives it is obvious that the word has the priority. It is obvious where our treasure is, not on earth but in heaven. It is obvious that earthly things have no dominion over us. That's what we should pursue. That's what we should encourage each other to. The way we live our lives, if we are truly listening to what Jesus is telling us here, it should make no sense to an unbeliever. It should look like foolishness to the world. If when we make decisions, our values and priorities are just the same as the unbelievers next to us, we might be in this category. The way Christians live their lives, how they give sacrificially, how quickly they let go of themselves and put their self to death, how quickly they jump into service, how generously they participate in the work of the church, all of these should make no sense to an unbeliever's heart and eyes. Jesus says, whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it. It should look as loss to unbelief. And that's the real gain. That's how you get the real fruit. That's the power of Christ working in you, preparing this real, lasting fruit. And a quick look, quick look over our life should tell us whether we're doing that whether we love God and use things or we love things and use everything else. Otherwise, if we're deceived by sin, like these hearers here, we hold on to worries, we hold on to things too much, and here's the final verdict. We prove unfruitful, Jesus said. We prove unfruitful. So we've looked at these three first three kinds of seeds, and lastly we come to the seed that fell on good soil. In verse 8, Jesus says, other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then again in the second part, in the interpretation, Jesus says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, and indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, another sixty, and in another thirty. The ones who hear the same word, but they receive it. They understand it, meaning they understand the urgency to obey it. They submit it, submit to it. They're not hearers only. They're not just having conversations, you know, about what the right interpretation is with no bearing on their life. No, they are doers of the word. And to encourage us, at the end of this parable that might seem a little grim, right? One out of four soils is good. That those of us who are math nerds might think so. 
Jesus, you're telling me it's about a 25% positive response I should expect, right? A 25% return on, on my investment in preaching the word. To encourage us, Jesus, look at, how, look at how Jesus talks about the fruit. He doesn't just say you get one out of four fruit, you know, based on what you sow. He says the fruit comes, in one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. With our human eyes, you know, we might think, look and say, oh, it's, it must be very depressing. But Jesus says that when the fruit comes, yes, there's many, much soil that will not bring fruit. But when the fruit comes, it's a hundred times more. It's 60 times more. It's 30 times more. It's 10 times more. When the fruit comes, it's generous, lasting fruit. It's a lot of fruit. It should be an encouragement to us. When the fruit comes, it is a massive harvest and it is fruit that endures fruit that lasts forever this is the soil that brings fruit the one who hears the word and understands it not superficial fruit like the second soil immediately springs up and immediately goes away no this is this is a hearer that suffers for his faith this is a hearer who forsakes the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. This is a hearer who fights the sin in his life to hear the word. This is a hearer who keeps watch and takes care how he listens. So the sower is the Lord Jesus, always the Lord Jesus, even when he uses other means. The seed is the word the only seed that brings fruit. And the soils are our heart. And Christ teaches us here to take care how we listen. Let's pray and ask for his help in that. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Lord, we have no right to hear it we have no right to be invited to listen to you lord but lord jesus you graciously call us to come and you graciously sow your seed in our lives and lord jesus today we are reminded just how great our dependence upon you and upon your spirit is help us lord to Take care how we listen. Help us, Lord, to search our hearts. Show us places in our lives where we do not trust your word enough, where something else is an obstacle or in competition with your word. Lord, we want to say indeed that you have given us a firm foundation for our faith in your excellent word. Lord, this humble means that you use to grant eternal life, to grant regeneration, to grant repentance. And Lord, we thank you for how powerful your word is. We thank you that it contains within itself the power of new life. Lord, if perhaps we have forgotten or neglected, help us to repent, Lord. Help us to repent and come to you, Lord. Just like the disciples here, they came to you. And none who come to you, you will turn away.
Help us, Lord, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And we ask all this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.